the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Today, I want to meet and greet those who love Jesus, but not the church. Those who love Jesus, but not the church. And why? Why why are we doing that? Again, because I believe we are called to seek understanding. See, I believe that we, as Christians, sometimes we get intimidated. We hear someone say something like, well, I'm spiritual, but not religious. We go, I don't know how to respond to that. And we walk away. It's a conflict in, in us, and we don't want to enter into conflict. And others will say, well, I love Jesus. I'm just not into the church. And you go, okay, all right, bye. And then we, we drop out of the conversation. Uh, I believe that it, we need to not just meet these people, but listen to me, beloved. I believe we need to greet these people, those who are not like us. And as a shepherd, I believe that part of my role requires me to study humanity uh, as a whole. Uh, to look at and do my best to understand cultural and, and social anthropology, the, the study of why we do what we do, what's developing in the culture around us. But the reason I do that is to help us all embrace and engage the culture so that we can understand and actually have an intelligent conversation. Uh, I cannot tell you, again, how many conversations I get into and I think, wow, you, you, you're not looking at our culture as a whole. And so it's important to have these intelligent conversations rather than just start yelling at each other or what I would consider even worse than just walking away and not having the conversation. Well, uh, with the good people and the help of them at Barna, uh, the Barna group, I, I want to explore this dynamic of faith and spirituality that's happening outside the church walls. There, there's a group of people practicing their faith outside the church walls. And the Barna group uh, was started in 1984, and it is the leading organization for uh, resources and information at the intersection of faith and culture. Where those two things come together, they have done studies and surveys, and they bring us statistics, and you know what we get? Understanding. I go, oh, that's why that is. Oh, now I, oh, okay, okay. And so it helps me to get that understanding. Uh, if, if you have the app, open it up right now, get the app. If you don't have the app, I want to encourage you to get the app. The app is such an easy, easy app to navigate. Everything is there. You've got your notes. You've got videos from last week, the week before, previous series, etc. Uh, we've got readers on the app. You can look at some stuff uh, in topics that would be interesting to you. Uh, but go, go there, go to the Google Play, uh, go to the App Store and pick up the app. Uh, I want to look this morning at the fascinating segment of people who love Jesus, but not the church. So how do we describe these people? That's, that's what I want to look at today. What are, they, what are they like? Who are they? They're all around us. What are they thinking and why are they thinking it? Uh, those who love Jesus but not the church are those who would self-identify as Christian. Well, I'm a Christian. That, that's their, that, immediately, there's a, a sense of continuing faithfulness among these believers in spite of their apparent rejection of this institutional gathering that we, we participate in on a regular basis. They would strongly agree that their religious faith is important in their life, but in a word, they're just they're currently de-churched. That's, that's kind of, a, I'm, I'm making that one up, right? Not unchurched, not those who have never experienced, never been exposed to the church, but de-churched. Something happened. Uh, and when I say de-churched, I, I want to tell you this. They've attended church 
in the past, but they've stopped altogether today for one reason or another. So on your app, check this out, the de-churched. Here they are. These are the de-churched. This is the group uh, that would include but not be limited to. I want you to fill these in. Captives. That's the first one, captives. Those who have been captured. Think about that word, captives. Captured, imprisoned, confined, unable to escape. Next one is exiles. Those who are barred from their native country for political or punitive reasons. We, we've heard that word exiled, right? John was exiled on Patmos. Nomads, there's the third one, nomads. There is no permanent residence for these people. They're traveling place to place. They're searching for fresh pasture. And then number four is prodigals. Prodigal means to spend resources freely and recklessly. It's, it's a wasteful extravagance, right? And then lastly is the wanderers. They're just casually aimless. They're traveling without direction and rootless. These, these are the de-churched. At one point they were here, but they've stopped altogether. For some reason, they're not here. Most of these individuals, as you see them, captives, exiles, nomads, prodigals, right? They have a sincere faith. They've made a personal commitment to Jesus. It's super important to them. They're just not in a celebration service each weekend. Now, does, does that describe you? I don't know. I, I, I don't know everybody that's watching right now, but does that describe you? Like, I, I used to, but I kind of have wandered around. I, I'm really not connected to a church. I, I really kind of have been searching for fresh pasture. I, I moved from the Antelope Valley to the Santa Clarita Valley, from the, the San Fernando Valley to the Santa Clarita Valley, and I've just kind of been going and really don't have a church home yet. Do, do one of those words describe you? Or, or have you been dechurched? Now, despite leaving the church, those who love Jesus but not the church have maintained a really strong uh, traditional view of God. That's the way they see him. In many cases, their beliefs about God are, are more orthodox than the general population. And by orthodox, I'm, I'm just talking about conforming to what's traditionally accepted, what, what historically is, this is, this is what we believe. It's been established, it's been approved. But Statistically speaking, the, those who love Jesus but not the church, their beliefs are sometimes even stronger than their church-going friends and family. It's amazing. This is one of the stats from Barna. Check this out. Look at this. Barna, I want you to take, take a look at this, at the center stat there. Right? Look at this. God is the all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect creator of the universe who rules the world today. Check that out. You see it? Now watch this, over half the population, 57% of the general population believe that that, that statement. 94% of those who love Jesus but not the church. Watch this, only 85% of practicing Christians. Wait, what? There are fewer practicing Christians that believe that statement than those who love Jesus but not the church. Those outside the church, more of them believe that statement than those inside the church. Now, now listen, according to Barna, practicing Christians are those who attend church at least once a month. And, and I find that just, it's like, wow. Those who love Jesus but not the church, they've got some firm beliefs with the exception of this gathering. They just, they're done with this. My prayer for the de-churched comes out of Psalm 107, one of my favorites, and, and because it's a prayer, I pray it often. Here's what it says, Psalm 107, verses one through nine, several, several here for you. I just want you, to read, I want you to hear this, see this, read this. Here's what the psalmist writes, Psalm 107, verses one through nine. 
Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Listen to this question. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out, exclamation point. Tell others that he's redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the, there's that word, exiles from many lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Does that sound familiar from last week? Huh, huh, huh? Here's verse four. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost, homeless, hungry, thirsty. They nearly died. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Can I, can I just say, maybe a sanctuary, right? He led them to a sanctuary. Let them praise the Lord, verse eight, for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Verse nine, because he satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things. Man, does this, I, I know this scripture sounds a lot like the Isaiah scripture from last week, right? Exiles, wandering, homeless, right? But I want you to hear this. God's wanting to gather them back. He wants the church brought back to where it belongs. That was the purpose of the church. And Jesus established this church. He said, this is where I want you to be. I want you to gather together. And I believe one of the first steps of that restoration is this gathering. Even though we can't be in the same room, it is this gathering, which again, looks really different in the season, but for some reason, and probably not good ones, those who love Jesus but not the church are uncomfortable within the walls of the church. So here, here's another blank for you. Despite their apparent discomfort, that's the fill in there, discomfort with the church. Those who love Jesus but not the church still maintain a pretty positive view of Christianity in general. And I've heard them say, well, it's not, church isn't a bad thing, it's just not for me. See, most of the de-churched don't believe that religion in general is harmful. They wouldn't say, oh yeah, church, it's bad. And here's why. Because without any solid faith anchor, without any identity, which is what Jesus set up the church for, those who used to go to church but are now lost in the culture are really supportive of all the claims of all religions. So they go, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, yeah, that sounds good too. Oh, this is good. Hey, why not that? Sure. They live, a, they live with a, why can't we all just believe what we want to believe and just leave it at that kind of mentality, right? It's like, eh, fine. If they want to believe that, that's great. And actually, I believe that too. And if there is any disagreement on any particular issue, the thought is let's just not talk about it. Which is, again, I think it's coming into the church, as I mentioned earlier. It's like someone says something, they're like, okay, I'm not going to talk about that because I don't, I don't know how to engage that. I don't know how to have that conversation. That is why we're having this conversation. Because many of you are listening to me right now, and I think you fall into this category. Not knowing what to say, you say nothing. And so we, we walk away and the person goes, well, I must be right because that Christian didn't engage me in that conversation. Not about arguing, not about debating. That's not what I'm talking about. But even engage the wrestle that I'm in. I'm spiritual, but not religious. Okay. What, how, about, how about this? So what does that mean? Well, I love Jesus. I'm just not into the church. Tell me why. As opposed to just walking away, let's engage it. See, faith at some point fell into the don't ask, don't tell abyss where everything is bliss, ignorance is bliss, right? 
All of that said, I, I got to say, one thing is consistently happening in American culture. We are becoming more spiritual. There is a spirituality that's happening. And again, I looked at that last week, and I hope, I hope that we learned how to meet and greet the spiritual but not religious. It's like, oh, okay. Because so, again, looking at some statistics, I go, oh, now I can understand them a bit better, and I can, I can seek even further understanding. I can open the door to a conversation. That's where those who love Jesus and not the church are very different, though, than the spiritual but not religious. The, the love Jesus and not the church folks will say that spirituality is just as important as those who are part of organized religion. They say, oh, absolutely, it's totally important. Here, here's another one for you to fill in. Unlike evangelicals, that's you and I, right? We're, we're church-going people trying to get our kids going to this, right? We're participating all the time. This kind of spirituality is deeply personal. The, the love Jesus, not the church, is very personal. It's even private. In, in many conversations, I've even been told they prefer to keep their spiritual matters to themselves. So it's not really a surprise to me when they don't talk about it or won't talk about it with their friends or family about spiritual matters, right? In, in fact, you know, I've heard them say, well, that's up to them to discover what's best for them. This is what's good for me, but whatever they want to do for them, right? Which is honestly is something I just don't, I honestly don't understand. I don't comprehend it. And I want to understand that better because I'll tell you what, when I have found someone, a person that is dependable, a dentist, a contractor, somebody like, you know, you know, the first thing I do, I tell as many people as I can. I found someone you need to know about. I found a mechanic. I found this person, right? When I've experienced something a thing that has impacted me so much, a movie, a book, an article, uh, whatever it is on the internet, I go, oh man, and then what do I do? I gotta tell everybody about it. You've gotta hear these two doctors, they say this about the virus. And these two doctors say, when, when something impacts me, I gotta let people know. I, I've actually heard parents take this kind of a, this no pressure approach with their teens. I, I will hear them say this, well, you know what? I was forced to go to church, so I'm not going to force my kids to go to church. And then I hear another parent say, well, I wasn't forced to go to church, so I'm not going to force my kids to go to church. It's so weird. You have two starting places. I was forced and I wasn't forced. And then they come to the same conclusion, so we're not going to force our kids to go to church. Unfortunately, it's that lack of exposure to God's truth that is leaving a lot of teens solo navigating really turbulent waters called adolescence. And it's amazing to me. Many are getting lost at sea without proper information and crewmates for this stormy voyage where their emotions are changing by the minute. My kid is just uncomfortable in youth group. They don't know anybody, so I just don't want to make them go. I bet you they wish you would do that for them for regular school. Well, they, they didn't know anybody in their new math class, so I told them they don't have to go to math anymore. Can you, can you imagine this? Can you imagine as parents if we would make that kind of a decision? B beloved, and I, I apologize, but please listen to me. <laughs> At what point did our teenagers prove to us that they had the wisdom and discernment to know what is best for their lives? Listen, I love teenagers. I'm crazy. I, I love being around them because they are predictably unpredictable. I love it. At what point do we go, yeah, they're, they're old enough to make their own decisions. They're still learning, and we're the ones supposed to be teaching them. I personally believe that this plays a big part in why millennials 
Those who were born between 1984 and 2002 are on the rise to become the largest unchurched generation in history. Because parents go, yeah, I, you know, I just, hey, this is good for me, but I don't know what's good for them, and so I'm just going to let them make their own decisions. They, this generation is also the least likely to identify as Christian or even say that faith is important in their lives. I've, I've actually had teens tell me, well, it wasn't important enough for my parents to make me do it, so why should I? My parents never encouraged me to go to church. I'm like, oh, okay. But okay, that's all. That's a conversation for another time. Side note coming back. Okay, here we go. I remember asking several, love Jesus, but not the church folks. I remember talking to them. I said, so what is it about evangelism that you don't want to share? That's how I got lost on that rabbit trail right there. Talking about being on their own. Okay. There's, there seems to be no personal responsibility. It's like, so how, how do you share the faith that's very important to you? How do you talk to other people about your religious beliefs? And they would say that, well, spiritual topics can come up, you know, but but I would never initiate a conversation. If, if it comes up, then we could talk about it. But spirituality, you know, sharing it is a low priority and for all the reasons I just outlined. And, and don't get me wrong, and you can fill this one in, the, those who love Jesus but not the church, they actively practice their faith. It's just in less traditional ways. Actively and traditional. Get those blanks filled in there. 83% of those who love Jesus but not the church, 83% of them pray, 26% of them read their Bible, 9% will read a book on spiritual topics, but I want you to be ready for this. According to the Barna statistics, 0% will go to a small group or uh, a retreat or anything like that. Once they've left this, they don't do anything with other Christians. And what are the reasons that they don't want to be with us? <laughs> Beloved, please... Ask yourself that question. Why, why, why don't they want to be with us? What did we do? What did we say that would make someone say, no, I'd rather practice my spirituality, my Christianity over here on my own rather than with you? We've all got to ask that question. Because, because they're not here in, in what we'll call organized religion, with all of its faults and weaknesses, don't get me wrong, but they are either left alone or in disorganized religion. In, in regards to alone, check out what 1 Peter 5.8 says. Check this out. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You hear that? Lions are always looking for the weak and the separated. That's when they attack, right? And, and then there's this second piece, this... So those, those are those people that are left alone. But then there's a second piece of the disorganized religion. Those who fall into that camp where, see, God speaks a lot about structure. Check this out. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 18, look at these verses. Structure brings unity. Unity brings maturity. Maturity brings, you ready for this? Then, then we will no longer be immature like children. We're not going to be tossed around, blown about by every wind of new teaching. We're not going to be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. Catch this. So clever, they sound like the truth. Instead, we're going to be able to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now, at, at this point, I got to be honest, I'm, I'm genuinely not sure which is more detrimental. 
being alone or hanging out with those who would blur the lines of truth. In both of those scenarios, though, people are being deceived and tricked into believing all sorts of things, which is another reason I say that the only thing more dangerous than organized religion is disorganized religion. Fill this one in. Disorganized religion allows people to practice their faith casually, right? As they feel, when they feel like it, and when they're in the mood with no, here's the word, commitment. There's no commitment. They're still finding and experiencing God just less often, right? But it's in nature. It's through practices like meditation and yoga, silence and solitude. And listen, we're going to explore this all next week. Uh, We're going to explore the faith inside and outside the church uh, in in the coming weeks as we're coming up. But but we're going to be looking into the colors of spirituality. That's something that we're going to be going into. I want you to check this picture out. This is the colors of spirituality compass. And what you're looking at is part of natural church development. It's this survey survey that we've been doing for the last 15 plus years as a congregation. And this study will help us identify which of the nine different spiritual styles is our spiritual antenna. That's that's what they call it. How, How do we connect to God? This is super key in developing an authentic relationship to God. You have to know how do you communicate. See, Bible studies for some people. Other people just want to go share their faith. Some people want to be in nature. Other people need uh, the church and the structure. And it's the way that each of us relates most naturally to God. It's kind of the reason this series is important because we're not all the same. That, that's a fact. Each of us has a unique kingdom contribution. I, I liken it to uh, Gary Chapman's love languages, acts of service, uh, gift giving, words of encouragement, physical touch, right? Quality time. We each, each of us accept and speak love in a specific way. And I believe if we could find our unique connection to God, how do I connect to him? And then learn to express it confidently. Hey, it's okay. This is where I connect with him. I, I, I do the church thing, but this is where I connect with him. See, I connect with him in nature. I'm one of those people, I connect with God in silence, in solitude. I, that's where I connect with him. But I also realize that Jesus said we need the church. So I do church plus my silence and solitude. And some people need to do the church plus they need to do Bible study, man. I dig into the word. I love that, right? Get into the theology of it all. And at the same time, we got to then constructively interact with other people that aren't like us. See, just because I like being alone doesn't mean I need to stop being with other people who like to be with other people. Does that make sense? We have, to, we have to speak all the colors. We have to become all things to all men so that we might win some for Christ. That's what Paul said. In the conversations in community section in this week at the bottom of the app, if you scroll all the way to the bottom of the app, actually, I'm asking us to interact with other generations. All the generations in their uniqueness, because we are all very uniquely, we approach the world in very different ways. And I believe that when we learn to appreciate the church, the body of Christ as a whole, in, their, in all their uniqueness, right, we will become mature people. And I'm going to start, I'm going to really dig into that next week. One of the things that is worth noting among those who love Jesus but not the church is their continued commitment to faith. Fill in this blank here. The group, this group, this love Jesus but not the church, they represent an important opportunity of ministry for the church. And I got, I got to say, especially here in the Santa Clarita Valley, with so many vibrant churches and opportunities in our valley, it is very likely that we have a significant number of these de-churched Christians in our neighborhoods. In fact, I got to ask, is this you? Are, again, are you one of the de-churched? You still love Jesus, right? 
You, you still believe in scripture. You still put your faith in the Christian faith, but you've lost faith in the church. And I can see why. Hypocritical selfishness, it abounds right here in the church. People pretending that they've got their life together. But I want you to hear something. We are a broken people. We're a broken people. We gather each week, not, not trying to ignore our brokenness, but rejoicing in the answer to our brokenness. The troubles that we have, the questions that we have, we go, oh, God's gracious answer was through Jesus. That's the way this thing works. And while there are people in the love Jesus but not the church group who are suffering from church wounds, the majority of them would say that's not the reason that they stopped attending church. It wasn't because they were wounded. For some that I've talked to, it's because they find that church isn't personally relevant to them. It doesn't hit me where I'm at. It's, not, it's answering questions I'm not asking. And we have to answer for that. One of the messages that we need to offer to this group is a reason for the church's existence. Why does the church exist? What is it that the church can offer their faith that they can't get on their own? This is something we have to do. And as the church, we need to be able to say to these people, and I hope have them discover for themselves, that there is a unique way to find God that you can only find in church. In the context that he left behind, he goes, this is where I'm wanting you to discover who I am. I don't think Jesus started something he thinks is optional. The church is essential. It's an essential and in this series, I'm breaking down the breakdown of the church. In order to do that, we got to look back in order to look forward. And so last week, I, I talked about the need to take Matthew 18 seriously, to really start reconciling with people, owning our junk. Yeah, I blew that. The church has to be living proof that faith cannot survive or even thrive outside the church. We, we need, we got to move out of the solitude. Yeah, I, I'm better by myself. I, those, those people just make it difficult. Hebrews 10.25 says this, amazing. Let's not neglect our meeting together like some people do. We need to encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. Church is important. And there's an encouragement that comes when we're gathering together, we're hearing God's word, but mainly it's because that's where Jesus says we belong. Check this out in Luke chapter 13, verse 29. People are gonna come from all over the world here it is again, there they are, east, west, north, south, there they are, and here's what they're gonna do when they come from all the world. They're gonna take their place in the kingdom of God. Oh, taking our place through praying for one another, through being involved in classes or groups and serving one another. It's in those places of connection where we're gonna get to know one another, pray for each other, help and encourage one another on a relational level. Church is a good habit. It's a good habit when it's a regular part of our practice. We benefit when we're in community and, and others benefit from our being in community. Lastly, here's what it says. 1 John chapter 1, verses five through seven. Look at this. This is the message that we heard from Jesus. This isn't my idea, beloved. This is Jesus. And we're now declaring it to you. Listen here, God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say, here it comes, we have that word, fellowship with God, but then go on walking in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But, catch this, if we're living in the light, like God is in the light, catch this, here it is, that's when we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. I wanna live in the light. Beloved, I wanna live in the light. I wanna have fellowship. I believe you do too. I want to encourage you 
If you're out there, if you're out there, come back. Come back to the church. Make it a regular part of who you are. It's, it was God's design. That's the way God designed it. Let me pray for us this morning. As we prepare to go into worship, I just want to pray for us. Father God, I ask and I want to thank you for a time for us to gather together. I thank you for us uh, being here. Even though we're not in the same room, we don't have true proximity, but we are together. And so I ask that you bless this time. Uh, Lord, I pray that your word would go out wherever it's going. Across the world, it's so wild. People around the world are watching this, uh, this, this stream. And so I ask in the name of Jesus that as we worship this morning, you would bless our time together. Uh, on your screen right now is a slide about prayer. We want to pray for you. Would you go online, let us know, hey, I, I, I need some prayer. Would you pray for me in regards to this? So go to the website. You see it on your, on your slide there on, on your screen. Would you go there and just let us know. We want to be praying for you. Whatever you're going through, if you're feeling, you're feeling the aloneness in this season, then I encourage you, please let us pray for you. Let's worship the Lord together. <laughs>